One person esteems one day as better than another, while another, the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went out and reported to their master all that had taken place. When his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus, we thank you for these, your words, words of life and wisdom words that are beyond our understanding and sometimes feel beyond our ability to, to comprehend and obey. Grant us your wisdom, O Word of God, Lord Jesus. Pour into us the wisdom of God that we may say yes to these words, but most of all to face the unforgiveness that we have perhaps in our own lives and to forgive our brother from our heart, even our enemy from our heart. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome again on this wonderful night. Tonight we'll have our back to school blessing. So if you have a child, pre K through fifth grade, we have prepared for you. We're going to pray over those as well. Um, last week we heard from our we've received is the faith that was handed down to the apostles and handed down by, to their disciples and their disciples and so on and so forth until all the way till you get to little old us here in Dallas, Texas. 
So we, we heard from our Lord Jesus what to do when someone sins against us. And we heard the words of St. David of Wales, too, when he said, do the little things. And that those words of Jesus to go, brother, sister, to go to them, and if they still don't listen to us, tell it to the church. And if they don't repent, then the church puts them out of the church. It's a process to protect the church, to protect the faith, but most of all, to protect the one who has sinned against their brother. And today, we have yet another teaching that is very deeply connected to that, to doing these little things that matter so much. And Jesus takes this concept a step further. And so Peter, Peter by now in the Gospel of Matthew has been through quite a lot. Remember a few weeks ago, he walked on water and fell in. He's confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in the next breath, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because Peter wanted to inhibit Jesus from going to the cross. Peter says, now, Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And Peter is going to aim high, right? Because rabbis would say seven times. That's, that's enough times to forgive your brother who's sinned against you. Seven times. That's a lot. And so Peter asks this question. But I, I want to tell you the end of the story before we get into the, the, the guts of the story. Jesus, taking this concept further from last week, basically says this. Friends, you have been forgiven so much. And we'll see in the parable, you've been forgiven 10,000 talents, which for a laborer, like in this parable, it would take several lifetimes to amass that much money. You and I, because of the wonderful cross, have been forgiven that much. So, therefore, we ought to extend the same mercy that God has extended us to our brother or sister who has sinned against us. We hear this implied in the Lord's Prayer. I don't know how often you say the Lord's Prayer, and I'm not a cop. I don't want to enforce it. But I encourage you, however often you say it, say it a little more. It's really amazing that what, what we hear and what we pick up from the Lord's Prayer, but embedded in the Lord's Prayer, after we say, give us this day our daily bread, not just the bread to feed us for today, but really we're praying for the spiritual bread, the bread of heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and the sacrament, Feed us with the true bread of life and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so there's this reciprocating thing happening where we ask God to forgive us on the basis of us forgiving someone else. And that's the same principle we find at work in this story, in this passage. Now, a couple of roadblocks. So already, maybe your insides are like a little bit on fire because you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Forgi okay, forgive. Okay, forgive. All right, forgiveness. Forgiving other people. Okay. And because if you're like me, that's maybe what a passage like this does to you. We face roadblocks to forgiveness, and maybe we feel afraid that if we forgive someone, a few things that will happen. First, if we forgive, that that person won't experience the justice or the punishment that we believe that they need, the person that has sinned against us. So we're afraid to let go of that, and rightly so, that it will, in a sense, let them off the hook, that somehow if we forgive them, we will be somehow condoning their actions against us. 
It feels that way, doesn't it? But that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not condoning their actions. Forgiveness is not saying that was okay. That's not what forgiving that person is. Whether they're our brother in Christ, so Jesus is speaking specifically of the church, FYI, but lest we think that it lets us off the hook, he says earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, don't just love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, but forgive them. So the same sort of mercy that is demonstrated with these outstretched hands on the cross, we're invited into that self-giving posture. So some roadblocks to forgiveness can be fear. Moreover, we can have fear that as we look back at this event and at the person that we're forgiving, that we will have to somehow relive it or even be re-experience those. But, for, but in the end, Jesus is inviting us into something good, something better, something simply be forgotten, that it will be blown over, and worst, that our suffering because of this sin against us will have been that this topic that we're dealing with, that Jesus is teaching us about, that Peter is experiencing firsthand, this is not a simple topic. This is complicated, and it has all sorts of emotions, all sorts of relationships, all sorts of implications for us. So as I preach it to you, I don't do it lightheartedly or flippantly, but I do so acknowledging that it's very difficult. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So just a few highlights from this passage and then a few points of application. Peter's question is quite ambitious. How many times should I forgive them, Lord? Seven times? And he may have been in the back of his mind thinking, Jesus is totally going to say, yeah, that's plenty, seven times. Fist pump. I love Peter. But what does Jesus say? He says 77 times, or in some other translations, 70 times seven So whether it's 77 or 490 times, the implication here is that Jesus is saying, you forgive an unlimited amount of time. There was a king who had servants, and the master went to settle the accounts. And this servant owed 10 that a normal average person, especially the, the subject of this parable, could never, ever hope to pay back. So think about that for a minute. Put yourself in the in a debt that is far beyond what any of us could ever repay. We could never work hard enough. We could never do enough for God to be, to earn forgiveness on the cross that he's trampled down death by death and raised to life, that he raises us up out of this debt, that he rescues us. That's what salvation means. It's a rescue. So we acknowledge that we have been forgiven so much. And because we've been forgiven so much, we see now that this servant, again, put yourself in the servant's place, he goes to somebody that owed him, not 10,000 talents, not even 1,000 talents, but how much? A hundred denarii. That's like a little over three months worth of daily wages. So still not an insignificant amount of money, but something that could be paid off, something that was attainable, something that was much more manageable. And this same servant 
who had been forgiven several lifetimes worth of wages would not forgive his fellow servant 100 denarii worth of wages. Doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem just. So what happens to the servant in the parable? This is when it gets dicey. Listen, we're Americans. We don't like to hear this. We're Protestants. We also don't like to hear this. But this is what Jesus says. If we don't forgive, if we are like the servant who receives the forgiveness of his 10,000 talent debt and yet goes and finds a fellow servant and does not forgive that 100 denarii debt, we will not be forgiven, period. That is heavy. That does not fit in the latest cool podcast that you or I might want to tune into tomorrow morning. But this is the God is inviting us into a way that is more fully human. First, what happens if we don't forgive? What if you're like, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to do this my own way. If we don't forgive, that event perpetrates. They will maintain a powerful hold on our lives. If you don't forgive, oftentimes this is what will happen. That person, that event, that sin will maintain a powerful hold on our lives, especially in the deep recesses of our soul. In ways that we can't even articulate, we just, all, we just feel what? Ah, we just feel pain. We just feel, and it sucks. If we don't forgive, sometimes if we don't forgive, we have the power, that we have the upper hand. But really, by forgiving, we're saying, I don't want this to have a hold over me anymore. What happens if we don't forgive? Ultimately, look at verse 35 on page 7 of your bulletin. If we don't forgive, Jesus says this, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. No qualifications. Period. Friends, salvation is a process. It is a lifelong, unfolding response to the grace of God issued forth in Christ, that uncreated, divine energy of God at work in us. And at some level, we can say no to it. Just like we can say no to forgiving those who've sinned against us. Again, we don't make light of that trauma. We don't make light of that difficulty. We want to move toward the one who is unapproachable light, the one who is uncreated light, the one who bids us to come to him. So, God forgives us this unpayable debt, this 10,000 talents, and he does it for all who will call on him, right? He forgives us the unpayable debt. We are to forgive others their smaller but still significant debt against us. But there's still one more person involved in the story. Well, not in the parable, but there's still one more person. 
Who are we leaving out? Okay, God's forgiven us. We forgive others. We cannot forget to forgive ourselves. For some reason, the Christianity of the 20th and the 21st century has this weird hang-up that we cannot forgive ourselves. You may need to forgive yourself unconditionally just as God and Christ has forgiven you. You may need to receive that same forgiveness. God loves you so much. He lavishes on you his goodness, and you may need to be in a position to receive that goodness. And then, as we receive that forgiveness from ourselves, we may have the grace to forgive others. In their wonderful, masterful book, Boundaries, Cloud and Townsend talk about the overly harsh and critical conscience, that voice inside our head. St. John writes that when our consciences condemn us, all we can do is fall on his grace. And his grace is the grace that forgives our 10,000 talent debt and gives us the ability to forgive others through a 300 denarii debt. And thus, we can forgive ourselves. Let us pray. God in heaven, we beg of you to have mercy on us that we may indeed forgive ourselves that we may indeed forgive others for their very real trespasses against us. But we beg of you to allow us to take up this shape of the cross in our own lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.